presence of the Lord. And uh, I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today in a mighty way. How many believes that? Amen. I want to draw your attention to Galatians chapter 2, verse 17. We'll read down through the 21st verse. I apologize. I didn't get the PowerPoint finished. I hope they got my scriptures. And if they didn't, we can just, we'll, they can chase us the rest of the service. Galatians 2 and 17. Amen. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Anybody glad you're living for the Lord today? Amen. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Wants to say that together. I am crucified with Christ. Say it again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I want to preach today for a few moments from this thought, the struggle between forgiveness and deliverance. The struggle between being forgiven and being delivered. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost here today. And I believe the Lord wants to move somebody from just being forgiven to being delivered. Really delivered. Really made free. Amen. Let's lift our hands and our voices. Let's pray together. Would you join us? Lord, I pray you would help us today. Strengthen us by your word and your power and your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for this day that we have, God, and for your word that's given to us today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Deliver somebody today. Make somebody free today, Lord. Let the winds of victory blow in somebody's life today. Let the chains fall off today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, if you believe the Lord can, just praise Him one more time. Jesus, you're going to do it. I praise you for it. I praise you for it. I praise you for it. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. I want to be what God says I am. I desire to be everything that God says I can be. I desire to have everything God says is mine. So if I live below who He says I am, I'm living underprivileged. 
If I have less than what he says I have, then I am underprivileged. Amen. God says some things about us, and I would like to propose to you that God says we are victorious, that God says we are delivered. I didn't say how you feel about it. I'm just saying now what God says. God says you're a victorious. He says you are delivered. He says you're more than a conqueror. He says you can make it. <laughs> Amen. Now, now the enemy doesn't want you to hear any of that. He does, surely doesn't want you to understand it. He wants you to grovel. He wants you to crawl. He wants you to feel unworthy. He wants you to feel less than a conqueror, less than triumphant. Can I get a witness? How many has ever felt that way, that you were less than what God said you were? We've all felt that way. Sometimes what God says I am is hard to accept because of my feelings. And sometimes what God says I am is hard to accept for more than just my feelings. Sometimes it has to do with my performance. Sometimes I haven't been victorious. Sometimes I need delivered. Sometimes I need to conquer something. Sometimes I don't always feel so triumphant. So as I, in my own study and getting ready for this service today, uh, if you look at the first eight chapters of the book of Romans, there's some interesting things that Paul says, or at least the supposed writer uh, Paul writes to uh, the church at Rome, and there, there's something interesting I've noticed, that in the first four chapters, though the word sin is mentioned several times, the subject is not sin, it is sins. Sins. And then in chapters 5 through 8, it is almost completely reversed. The subject goes from sins to now the subject is sin. In fact, in those three chap four chapters, it's only sins, plural, is only mentioned twice in those last uh, 5 through 8 in those chapters. And when you think about that, one of those words has to do with the sins that I commit before God. The times I miss the mark. The times I'm not a conqueror. The times... I need forgiveness for my sins. I said I need forgiveness for
We praise Him. There's deliverance here today. Here's something else I want you to, and, and thank God we got a real smart church. So you keep the preacher on his toes. Amen. So uh, it's incumbent that we study. We can't just bring the Bible up here and throw our finger down if the Lord leads us to. There's times I've come to the pulpit and had one verse and that <laughs> went for an hour and a half on one verse. <laughs> Hopefully those days are over. <laughs> I don't know if I have the strength to do that anymore. <laughs> But I will say this, I want you to consider this very carefully. We are not sinners because we commit sins. I want you to think about this real carefully. We are not sinners because of the things we do. We sin because we are sinners. There is a huge difference. We are sinners by who we are, not by what we do. Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed, everybody say sin passed, sin passed on all men for that all have sinned. Sin entered the world by one and sin passed to all man. Everybody got it? Verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So I'm not a sinner because of what I do. I sin because I was born in sin. (laughs) And that, my friend, happened long before May the 1st, 1963. No, now wait a minute. I know your grandbabies are perfect. And one of these days, probably because of your in-laws, they're going to get haywire. I know they're little angels, and because of that side of the family, they're going to somewhere lose their mind. But I'm telling you now, before that baby was ever born, No, it says because of one man's disobedience, sin came to all men. So before you ever breathed, before you ever lived, listen, oh now you're not, you were born in sin. You were born with your back to God. You need more than just a whitewashing for all your errors. You need deliverance from who you are is what, oh, oh, you're not hearing me. You don't need to just act better. You need to be better. You don't need somebody to teach you how to cope. No, you need Jesus to get a hold of your life. Come on, somebody clap your hands under the Lord. I'm talking about the struggle between being forgiven and being delivered. When I realize I've missed the mark, I realize I've sinned. My one cry is for forgiveness. How many remember the night you realized you had missed the mark and you cried out to God to wash you? I realized I'd committed sins before him and I needed forgiveness. But once I knew forgiveness, I made another discovery. Did you make it? 
I hope you made it because some of you are frustrated because you didn't make this discovery. You thought that when you knelt at an altar and got forgiveness, you'd stand up and have no more problems. That's just not the way it happened. I made a discovery that yes, I'd been forgiven. That yes, my sins were under the blood. But I realized I walked outside the church still in the nature of a sinner. I realized that two days after that forgiveness, there is a power that draws me back away from God. I want forgiveness. I want to be clean. But then I battle to sin again. And life goes, oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. All of a sudden, you're in this vicious cycle. I I mess up, and then I ask God to forgive me. And I mess up, and I ask God to forgive me. There is a difference between being forgiven and being delivered. Oh, I need deliverance. You need deliverance. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord right now. I appreciate God's forgiveness. I love him. I love him for his mercy. You know, I don't understand people that love God for this what have you done for me lately thing. I want to tell you if it hadn't been for the Lord, he's been merciful to all of us. I love him for his great mercy. But I want something more than forgiveness and mercy. I want deliverance. See, we need forgiveness for what we have done. We need deliverance from what we are. This is how a man that's bound by addictive practice can not only find forgiveness in one moment. In fact, in just a moment, you're going to be shocked at how sure and how pure your forgiveness is. I think it needs to come in on you how thoroughly forgiven you are. But a man that's, that's bound by addiction, let's, let's just say alcohol, or let's just say prescription pain pill, pills, and he, he, want, he knows he, wants, he doesn't want to live this, this drunken life. He doesn't want to live this, in this fogginess anymore. And he says, Lord, I need you to forgive me for desiring this stupor that I'm in. And, and the Lord can, he forgives immediately. It's like Nathan saying, I'll tell you a story, David. And David saying, oh, something ought to be done about that. And Nathan's saying, well, you're the guy I'm talking about. And David says, oh, I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. And the very next words that come out of Nathan's mouth says, and God has put away your sin. It's just a matter of moments you can, oh, Oh, how powerful his forgiveness. I don't care what men say you have to do to make restitution. I'm coming to tell you about a God that says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, I want to preach somebody out of depression today. I want to preach somebody out of discouragement today. You are who God says you are. That's who I am. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I hurry. So, if there's this struggle between being forgiven and being delivered, I think it's important we look at forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness. 
Anybody glad you're forgiven? The basis of forgiveness, the basis by which God forgives you, declares you clean, is the blood. The blood has to do with my standing before God. But I want you to know who the blood is for. Although the blood does the work of cleansing, or it is the grace by which we are forgiven, the blood is for God. Oh, he tells us very early in the Bible, the second book, the 12th chapter, he says the first night there was a lamb killed. That was a type of that one lamb that was to come. He tells the house of Israel, when I see the blood, oh, when I see the blood, I will pass over. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. See, the blood was on the outside of the house. It, wasn't, it was not for those that were in the house. It was for the one that was about to pass over. And God said, when I see the blood, I, I don't want you, you need to see it. You need to appreciate it. But that blood is not for you. It's for God. Say, so, oh, wait a minute. Now the blood was shed for us. Absolutely. But it was shed so that God would do something. Well, anybody hearing what I'm saying? The blood delivers me from the power of the enemy because it deals with sins. It deals with my failures. Because it deals with my sins, it removes the enemy's accusations against me. Now, no, you're, not, you're not hearing me now. But I hope you can. That old song says it. What can wash away my sins? What's the response? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I feel it here today. I'm thankful for it here today. I worship in it today. I'm thankful for the blood. The blood says I'm clean. The blood says there's no failure. The blood says there's no fault. Oh, you, see, you're struggling with this. So let me continue. There's another song that says there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from somebody's veins. It met God with us and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. Oh, hallelujah. I need you to understand today. I need you to understand right now that that is a conclusion it's already done. No, you no. See, you think that the blood is going to declare you forgiven only when you acknowledge your failure and say, I've messed up. Now, on your part, you need to repent. This is my confession that I believe that the blood is needed. But in God's eyes, the blood's already been shed. Oh, you're not hearing me. 
It's already been done. Jesus, when he was on that cross and he said it is finished, he was not playing games with us. It is done. Forgiveness is done. No, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You are forgiven whether you have believed it or not. Oh, I know you say, wait a minute. Now, if I could just go on and do what I want to know, that's not the point. The point is you are responsible now to act toward that forgiveness. You are responsible to confess that you need to repent. I'm not of that party that says, oh, you don't need to do anything anymore. No, oh, no. The blood was shed and it declared. I want to ask you, who did Jesus die for? Now, wait a minute. Who did Jesus die for? John 3.16, can you quote that? For God so loved what? The world. Who did he die for? He died for all humanity. All human. Did he only die for people that get out of their chair today and come down to the altar? Okay, now my blood's active because you respond. No, before you were ever born... <laughs> Before you ever lived today, the blood said you were forgiven. No, you're not hearing me. Before you ever sinned, God said, I've made a way for them to be righteous. It's, it's, it's too amazing to even grasp that God would say, and I preached it yesterday, in a funeral service that God could say I know his frame I know what he's made of and in spite of all that say before I ever live today he's forgiven anybody feel forgiven today because of the blood the blood was shed 2,000 years ago You say, oh, Brother Gene, does that mean then that everybody after Calvary has this privilege? No. Do you remember what the lamb, what the Israelites had to do? Every year they had to what? Kill a lamb. And that Passover did what to sin? What did it do? It pushed sin one more year further. And every time they killed a lamb, the blood of that lamb pushed sin one year further. I don't know how many thousands of years sin was pushed, how much accumulation. I don't know if you've ever done any excavating, but you go to pushing dirt and you just keep on pushing. You start accumulating. And that sin was pushed and pushed and pushed all the way to Calvary's hill. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did not just die for everybody in the future. He died for every sin in the past. See, we, we don't even understand what was going on on that hill that day. He was making a way for us to live clean, to live pure, to be godly. Yes, he was. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Help us, Lord. Wow. And yes, while the blood washes away my sins... It cannot wash away my old man. I wish we could just give people a pill right after they're baptized and fill with the Holy Ghost. A little Kool-Aid or something. Send them right on to glory. Because it's not so much what happens before salvation. We, 
we, a preacher preaches our need for forgiveness and man we come to the altar we're crying we get baptized we get filled with the Holy Ghost man we feel awesome but two weeks later we're battling with the old man the old attitudes the old habits and we thought the blood was enough but the blood cannot wash away who I am I need more than the blood the blood can wash from what I've done but I need the cross See, I need the cross to crucify who I am. And that, my friend, is not an instantaneous endeavor. That, my friend, doesn't happen overnight. Yes, I am already forgiven. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. On my end of the spectrum, I've got to confess what I believe. And when I believe that I've sinned, I want to repent and say, God, forgive me. But on God's end, the blood has already been shed. Is anybody okay? All right, well, let me just go a little further. Let me say, how, how can one little lamb, how can one little lamb, the blood of that one little lamb, in Hebrews we say it's not the blood of bulls and goats that can forgive you. It's the blood of Christ. So how can the blood of one little lamb be powerful enough to push sin ahead 360 in the Jewish calendar? How can it push sin ahead 360 days? Only God can make that happen. And so God sees this one lamb in the place of the lamb that is coming. He says, this lamb is not the lamb. He's coming, but this lamb, I'm going to take this lamb as though he's a little piece of the one that's coming. And I'm going to push sin ahead one more year. One more year. One more year because I know what's coming. Oh, you're not hearing me. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful Jesus died. I'm thankful he was buried. And I'm thankful he rose again. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord now. I got to hurry. Yeah. We think if only I'd done certain things, everything would be all right. But the trouble lies much deeper than what we do. It lies in what we are. The root is the sinner himself. And our sins are dealt with by the blood of the Lamb. On God's side, the blood's enough. I want to tell you something right now. If God was looking at you from the other end of the line, all your failures, the blood would never be enough. But the songwriter says he sees me what? Through the blood. The blood stops the judgment for sin. In fact, he was crucified in my place. In fact, I was crucified with him. No, no. Our sins are dealt with by the blood, but myself, I must be dealt with by the cross. The blood secures my forgiveness, but the cross secures my deliverance. My deliverance from who I am. And I don't know about you, but maybe I'm just preaching. Maybe, maybe this message is just real good right here. But I want to say to you right now, <laughs> this boy needs to be delivered 
from what I am. In fact, I know some of you real well, and I'd say you need to be delivered from what you are too. Some of you do things and say things that I think, what in the world are they thinking? You know what? You need to be delivered from yourself. And let me see the blood says I'm forgiven. You can walk up here today. I don't care what you did last night or even this morning. You can walk up here and say, Father, I've sinned. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me a servant. And the father says, you're forgiven. Bring forth the best robe. Put it on him. Bring forth the ring. Put it on his finger. Bring forth the best shoes. Go feel that fat, kill that fat cow. And we're going to have a party. This is the way forgiveness happens. He does it because of the blood. And the blood's already been shed. You're not going to crucify him again. He doesn't, he doesn't wait for you to walk down the aisle and then go, okay, now I'm going to crucify myself for him. No, the blood's already been shed. The price. This is what gives so much weight to the passage, Ethan. How shall we escape if we neglect so great? After all he's done for you, after him saying, I'm not going to declare you sinful. I'm going to take care of all your sin. Everything you've done, the blood's already taken care of it. God forbid that you keep on doing what you're doing. How foolish is it to know I can be clean and choose not to be. That God declares me clean and me not do something about that. Somebody say amen. Now, I need the cross. Everybody say the cross. And I'm, I'm closing, sister. Sherry, if you want to come, stand with me for a while. <laughs> Maybe she's got a stool up there. Listen, the cross is for my deliverance from what I am. And I am somebody, listen, the Bible says that I am in, I was in Adam. Adam, now some of you know some Adams. I'm talking about the first Adam. And the Bible says we're all sinners because of who we are in Adam. Well, I didn't do that. He did that. No, no, because he did it. When he disobeyed, his disobedience passed to all men. Think about this now. The terms in Adam and in Christ need to be understood today. I need forgiveness because I'm in Adam. I do the things I do because of who I am. Romans 5 reveals that we are in Adam. We are sinners. Not by the sins we commit, but simply by being in Adam. Now you need to understand this. We were in Adam when he sinned. So, no, 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 I wasn't anywhere near that. No, oh, yes, you were. Okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let, let's not even go three or four generations. Let's go one. Tell me where you'd be right now if your dad had died when he was three years old. Where would you be? You wouldn't be here. When your dad was born, you were in him. 
This is the magnitude of who you need to understand who you are. My old man was in Adam. And you can say all you want to. Well, if he wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't be. Oh, no. As soon as he failed, everything that came out of him was a failure. And here we are. My great-granddaddy immigrated from Bremen, Germany, stowed away on a boat, came to Galveston, Texas. I didn't even know the man. I've only seen one picture of him. You know what? If he'd have died at five years old, I wouldn't be standing in this room right now. I can go back how many ever generations I want to go back. You're in every one of them. I don't care if you're a foster kid here today. You're in every generation before you. You were in Adam. We were involved in Adam's sin. We were born in Adam's adversity. We are humans. We have the nature of a sinner. We came on it by birth. And we can only get out of it by death. Oh, my friend, and that is the beautiful story. That's the way of escape. We were born in Adam and we only exit by death. Oh, yes, but I can be born again uh, in that second Adam. And in that second Adam, death has no victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Yep, I came in the world related to all that failure, but I don't have to leave this world related to all that failure. I feel like the old apostle that says, I am who I am by the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed this? Jesus is not ever spoken of as the second Adam. Never. I I know you hear preachers say it, he's the second Adam. He's never referred to in the Bible as the second Adam. Every time it speaks about him and his humanity, it says he's the last Adam. The last, last. No, you didn't hear what I said. He's not the second in a long line of many others. No, he's the last. Yes, there was a first, and because of the first, I am a sinner. But there is a last Adam. And because of that last Adam, I not only can be forgiven, I can be declared righteous. I can be pure. I can live above my old humanity. Oh, anybody glad you're in Christ? Anybody glad you're in Jesus? Anybody glad you changed ancestry? Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. I I hurry. you got a choice to make there's no other there's a first Adam there's a last Adam you got a choice of who you're going to be in I choose the last Adam the first Adam and your sin the last Adam is able to deliver you Romans 6 and 3 know ye not so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into His death. 
People say, well, you know, if I died with him and he died 2,000 years ago and he died for all men and we all died with him, then I don't have to do anything. I'm just saved by grace. I just whistle Dixie and go do what I want. No, Paul says, if you're really a believer, you're going to confess that you died with him. And you confess that you died with him when you're baptized. So no, the power's not in the water. The power's not in the heat. The power's not in the baptistry tank. The power's not in the clothing you wear. The power is in the death of Jesus Christ. And when you climb in that water, you are confessing that I died with him. Now, I know there's people that wanted to be rebaptized because they didn't remember getting baptized, but I, I get real hesitant about people that, that got baptized two or three months ago and they have to come back and say, well, I think I need to be baptized again. No, that's not what baptism is. Baptism is recognizing that I died on that cross. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... If any man be in Adam, what is he? He's a sinner. But if any man be in Christ, who is he? He's a new creature. (laughs) All things are passed away and all things are become new. I'm glad I'm in Christ today. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord right now. I'm, I'm done. I'm in him today. So there's a struggle. Yeah, we, yep, time to time we walk up and say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, forgive me. You know what? We need more than forgiveness. We need deliverance. So how does it happen? I want to tell you right now, we are already in Christ. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now that him that's talking about in the earlier verses, I don't have time to read it. That him is God. And of God we are in Christ Jesus. What this says is we don't have to devise a way to work it out. Uh, It was the divine act. It was an accomplished fact. In dealing with Jesus Christ, God has dealt with all of us. Paul said, I am crucified with him. When God saw the blood of Jesus Christ and declared that it was enough, make no mistake about it, that blood was enough to forgive you. When I see the blood, I'll pass. My destiny is bound up with Jesus Christ. What he went through, he went through it for me. I'm victorious today because the blood says I am. I'm forgiven today because the blood says I am. Well, I don't feel too forgiven. Well, it doesn't matter. The Bible says in in this passage in in 1 Corinthians that God declares that you are in Christ Jesus. He sees me through the blood. Thank you, Lord. And when Jesus was crucified, the Bible declares that we were all crucified. His crucifixion is past over 2,000 years. Mine cannot be in the future. There's not one verse in the New Testament scripture that speaks of crucifixion in the future. I know any of you Bible scholars, you're immediately going to Paul saying, I die daily. Absolutely, you need to die daily. But the crucifixion they're talking about has already happened. It happened once. 
All references to the crucifixion are in the aorist tense, Brother Blake, in the Greek. That means it's a once and for all thing. When Jesus died, he died for every man. <laughs> and he died so that I might live. I want to I live in him. I want to serve him. I want to worship him today. Romans 6 and 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. My old body, who I was in Adam, was nailed to the cross. The blood was enough. The blood was enough. We were crucified when he was crucified for God put us in him. It is a fact and God calls us to reckon with this. Knowing is one thing, reckoning is another. In fact, keep on reading Romans 6 and 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ be raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. Guess what? It doesn't have dominion over me either because I'm in it. Everything he is, I am. I don't know about you, but I'm victorious today. I'm more than a conqueror today. I am healed today. I am delivered today. Yes, I am. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. I, I got to shudder now. You, you, you got to see this, verse 10. For in that he died... He died once. He doesn't die every time you come to the altar. You ain't going to crucify him again. He died once. There remains no more sacrifice. If that's not good enough for you to ask him to wash you, ain't nothing going to wash you. If that's not enough to get you out of your stuff, ain't nothing going to get you out of your stuff. I don't care how many steps are in that program. If the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary cannot get you out of sin, ain't nothing going to get you out of sin. For in that he died, he died once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11, Romans 6, 11, Likewise reckon ye you're also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. The writer goes on to say, don't let sin reign in your body. Don't yield your body to unrighteousness. Yield to God as someone who's alive from the dead. Sin will not have dominion over you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him sin doesn't have power over you. Now I'm going to say it again like you believe it. Sin doesn't have power over you. I'm not talking about your performance. I'm talking about your nature. I'm talking about who Adam was. I'm talking about what you are inclined to do. I'm talking about your genetic makeup. The Bible says that sin no longer has dominion over you. I don't care who your daddy was. Well, my daddy's in jail for murder. I guess I won't be much better. Oh, no. I don't care who your daddy was. You are alive unto God. I am who he says I am. <laughs> Sin shall not have dominion over you. This is powerful stuff, folks. 
It simply means, listen now, listen carefully. I will say this as much love as I got. Holy Ghost love in me. If you're bound, you're only bound by your choice. Because the word declares in the book of Romans that sin has no power over you. Oh no, you don't understand what made me do it. No, I want to tell you who made you do it. Adam made you do it. You're a sinner because of who your daddy is. But when you get that last Adam, you realize sin doesn't have power over me. I have power. I am. So shall we sin because the price for sin has been paid? God forbid. Heavens no, Paul says. Don't you know that whoever you yield to, that's who you serve, whether it's sin or whether it's obedience. And then Romans 6, 18. Being then made free from sin. <laughs> it's not about have you been doing good the last week. He said you've been made free from sin. Who you are in Adam. That old humanity. And he said being made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. And I close with this. I believe in the death of Jesus Christ. I believe he died. And I believe when he died, he died for me. And he died with me. I believe I died with him. He knows how I was born. He knows who my parents are. He knows that sin knows how to visit even four generations. But before all of that even happened, he made a way for me to be forgiven. <laughs> I believe in what happened on that cross. I believe in the power of his blood. Before I ever lived today, his blood he was the lamb slain, what? From the foundation of the world. <laughs> oh, what wonderful truth. Oh, what precious grace. Oh, what mercy. I believe in his death, in his blood. I believe in his cross. I believe in what he did for me on that day. I'll tell you what I need to believe in more. It's the difference between forgiveness and deliverance. I not just need to believe in his death and what it did for me. I need to believe in my own death. No, I'm not talking about whatever date that is in the future that a few of my family and friends will gather and say few things and, and go take me to the graveyard and bury this old body. I'm not talking about that death. I need to believe what Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. I need to believe in my own death as much as I believe in his death. I need to believe as much that my old man was crucified when he died as much as I believe that he died. You know what that means when I leave here and I pass the alcohol store, what a DJ's, and my old man says, man, you need to forget some stuff for a few hours. I need to believe in my own death. 
in that moment I need to get a hold that I died to sin I am dead to unrighteousness oh no oh no boy you don't have any ownership here you don't have a horse in this race cause I died on Calvary's hill old G.T. Haywood comes stumbling out of his office to the platform after a week of fasting and prayer he didn't even go home his church needed revival he needed to hear from God and after seven days of living in his study he comes stumbling out and walks to the pulpit and all he has is a song I see a crimson stream of blood (laughs) it flows from Calvary it's waves which reach the throne of God they are sweeping over me yeah I need to believe the old man has been crucified once and for all I'm sorry I'm struggling with this like an ill-fitting garment it's the best way I can tell you what I'm saying to you is if my old man has been crucified he can never be uncrucified make all the excuses you want to make tell me how many people hurt you and what happened in your family and who your daddy was and why you have the bondage that you have but I want to remind you you were crucified with Christ I'm not talking about everybody that comes to the altar I'm not even talking about everybody in this church I'm talking about everybody in the world was crucified with him crucified with him he died for and with all men and I can never be uncrucified so if I live in sin If I go my own way, I may cherish forgiveness, but I refuse deliverance. And I believe the Lord not just wants us forgiven for our actions. I believe the Lord wants us delivered from who we are. And this takes more than reading books, going to Because of the Times once a year, or going to camp meeting. It takes a daily cross in my life. I have to tell you, I've been forgiven so many times in my life. How many has been forgiven so many times in your life? But how many would say, preacher, the struggle with the old human, the old man that I am, I struggle with that all the time. Just kidding. I got to say something to you. There's a struggle between forgiveness and deliverance. But the Lord wants you to know deliverance today. First John says it this way, beloved, it does not yet appear. Now are we the sons of God. Now we're forgiven. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. 
For we shall seem as he is. Come on, this old man, one day, I'm going to put on a new body. I'm struggling with the old man. And I know we need to live. Yes, we've been forgiven. But that old man has been crucified once and for all. I need to keep him nailed to the cross. I need to remind him tomorrow that he died with Jesus. Oh, brother, you don't know who I am, buddy. If you get me upset, you don't know who I am. No, that man who you are is dead. Oh, let's stand together. I want us to pray right now. Lord, move in this service, God. Touch somebody. Touch somebody right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, reach over right now and just get a hold of somebody. Put your hand on their shoulder. Lord, now now there are people in this room that need forgiveness. But more than that, God, they need to be delivered. They need to be made free from the law of sin and death. Oh, Lord, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that something would get a hold of men and women that are tired of living in this uh, cycle of, of victory and defeat and victory and defeat. And they get up one minute and they're down the next and they do good for a week and then they're messing up for another month. God, I pray right now there'd be deliverance moved through this congregation in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord. Oh, come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, move in this congregation. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Now I'm going to open the altars. I'm just going to open up the front. And and this is not just for first-time people. This is even for saved people that say, Pastor, I battle every day with that old man, and I need deliverance again today. I need to be reminded that I died with Jesus. I want a new life. I want a brand-new walk. I want to live here, leave here in the victory today. Come on right now all across this building. In the mighty name of Jesus, touch our young people. Touch our saints of God in this room. Come on. From all over the room, Lord, you're going to bring deliverance right now in this congregation. Lord, you're going to let somebody, Lord, rise above their actions. Rise above what they do or they don't do. Father, forgive us. You already paid the price for my redemption. I'm already cleansed. Come on, accept what Jesus says about you. He says sin will not reign in your body. Come on. Glory to God. Come on, somebody needs to repent. There's forgiveness here today. Come on, somebody's walked away from God. There's forgiveness here today. But I want you to know he wants you to leave delivered. He wants you to leave a new man. He wants you to leave a new creature.